0: Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include. Random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety. The entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Tom Brady is still a whiny little bitch.
1: Good morning, Bill's Mafia. Thank you so much for tuning into Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, where you can find new content. Every single day of the week. Hey, I'm not sure that you have heard the news, but uh, there was a pretty big and pretty important signing that happened in Bill's Mafia. Josh Allen actually signing a, what amounts to basically an eight year extension. So he's with us for a very long time and you know, it was going to happen. It was going to happen eventually. We all knew that it was going to happen, but when it finally did happen, I couldn't help feeling super excited. I was pumped. Well, that hit the spot. He's our guy. Josh Allen is here for the next eight years. And, you know, on first glance, I I didn't really feel like this was a super team-friendly deal. But according to uh, Joe Bestalia and Matthew Fairburn, they have a lot of the guaranteed money up front. And so when you get to the mid, to the back of that contract, uh, they have a lot of flexibility to move some salary cap around if they need to. Um, a lot of the guaranteed money will already be paid out. $150 million guaranteed. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of money. But I'm happy. I'm happy he has it. Give it to him. Give him all the money. Let us win a Super Bowl behind Josh. But the, the specifics of a deal he's still playing out this year and the fifth year auction under the original contract. But. Uh, it's a six-year extension on top of that. It's going to be 258 million dollars with a hundred million guaranteed the moment the ink is dry, uh, and he's most likely going to get up to 150 million of that, pretty much guaranteed. Huge contract, huge contract, 43 million dollars a year. Not super team friendly in terms of you know 43 million dollars a year as opposed to Patrick Mahomes who's getting uh, I think it's about 45. But, you know, I don't care. I don't care. I'm glad he's here. We've been in quarterback purgatory forever, really since Jim Kelly left. We had maybe one little bright spot with well, with Fitz, but also with uh, Bledsoe. But it wasn't really the same. Those guys were toward the end of their careers. Josh is ours from day one. We developed him. We signed him. He's staying here. He's... You are mine now. You belong to me. He's going to win an MVP someday. I have a strong feeling he's going to get at least a Super Bowl. Maybe two. I I think if you go back to the 2000s, you know it was the Brady and Manning show in the AFC. And yes, you had a Flacco and you had some Ben Roethlisberger sprinkled in, but it was largely those two battling out with Brady usually getting the better end of the deal. But I feel like we are headed in that direction. We are looking at Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. And we have one of those guys. For so long, it just felt like we were a bystander And we were barely even part of the league. I mean, yeah, we played in the NFL, but a lot of times we weren't even playing. the the, It's like we were not leaving the 1990s. We, We still wanted to run the ball and play great defense when everybody moved to passing. All the rules favored a passing attack. And we stayed behind and tried to play this outdated form of football. And, you know, honestly... For a long time, the Bills did not even take that many swings at quarterback. Yeah, we had an EJ Manuel, and we tried uh, J.P. Lossman. But, you know, wouldn't we ever really take a swing at a, at a real, widely regarded franchise quarterback? Not really. No, I, I nobody's coming to mind. We, we tried to get a guy like Fitzpatrick. We tried to get a guy like Bledsoe. And, yeah, we drafted J.P., and, yeah, we drafted EJ. But none of those guys were really considered franchise quarterbacks. Those were... Bad swings, you know. Uh, We didn't take enough swings during the drought. And we took a big, big swing. And I was skeptical. Many Bills fans were skeptical. I think some people maybe don't want to admit that now. But there was plenty to be skeptical about when that pick was made. If you can imagine being Brandon Bean and making that pick, knowing that your job, probably McDermott's job, all of your scouts, their job is on the line picking that guy who's widely considered Pretty raw, and he went to a bad conference, and he couldn't dominate there. And we picked him, and we developed him, and that is a big swing and a big "I told you so" moment for this regime. And uh, I- I'm I'm over the moon. Like I knew it was happening. I knew that this extension was going to happen. It shouldn't have changed my feelings at all, but once it did, I think many of us were feeling the same way. Like it's, he's ours. It's done. The the ink is dry. He's, he's ours. He's not going anywhere. So lots of reason for celebration there. Something else that I want to talk about maybe is how this deal is going to affect the other quarterbacks that were drafted in that same class. Now, Donald's not earned that second contract yet. He's still going to play out his fourth and fifth year option down there in Carolina. I think he's going to get one. He's going to have to wait. Um, and it might not be this big. He'll get some form of contract, but he's not getting $43 million a year. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to get a big contract. Does the signing of Josh Allen raise the price of Lamar Jackson? And, you know, the answer I think is yes, he has some deficiencies as a passer. I don't think he's a great passer. I don't think he's great at sitting back there and reading the pocket and, you know, he can hit the open guy and he's good enough but his legs are really where it's at. And I'm not here to bash on Lamar. As I've said many times, I think he is a franchise quarterback. I'm sitting here telling you right now, I think he's going to get that contract and he's going to deserve it because he can win you games. It's not my flavor of quarterback, but is he going to get $43 million? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's more likely that Baker Mayfield does. Now Lamar is probably going to get high 30s, 40. He's going to get something that's very attractive and very comparable. Um, but I'm interested to see where he lands because there are people who want to argue that Lamar Jackson is still better than Josh Allen right now. I mean, they're wrong, but it's, it's okay to feel that way and be wrong. But uh, Baker Mayfield is, to me, not in the same class as Josh or Lamar. And I'm not a Baker hater. I think he's fine. He's a good quarterback. He's got lot of weapons and talent around him. He's going to have it. I'm looking at that Cleveland Browns defense, and that's why I think I want to put them number two in the AFC, not because of Baker. Now, is Baker going to get his contract? He sure is. He was number one overall pick. You think he's going to settle for less? Now, I, I don't think that either one of those is going to sign for more than what Josh Allen got. I think Josh, at this point, is miles above those two. As a complete football player, as a quarterback, any metric you want to use, Josh Allen deserves it more than those two. Now we know price of contracts go up the longer you wait, and there are those that think that because we signed first, it's going to make them have to pay more. I, I think it'll pay more, not necessarily more than Josh, but uh, it'd be advantage for us if it's close. Like if we're paying two or three million dollars more on average for Josh Allen as opposed to what they're paying for A. Baker or Lamar. That's a big advantage for the Bills. There were those people who... I'm, I'm a very conservative-minded person when it comes to team building and that philosophy. I will readily admit that. Sometimes I think I can maybe be even a little too conservative initially. But there were those who wanted to wait to give Josh Allen the contract. I am not in that boat with Josh Allen because of what he did last year. I think the unless he has some kind of major injury, I don't see there's any way Or Josh Allen just completely falls off the cliff and becomes, you know, just a, an average or poor quarterback. He's good to great and closer to great. What he did last year was not a fluke and uh, that alone says that it lessens my fear of major regression. Now we can talk about statistical regression. Bruce did a great pod about that uh, f- some weeks ago. And I, what I love about Bruce is sometimes I'm not very articulate and I can't get my thoughts out. Bruce is really good at getting my thoughts out in his mouth sometimes. Uh, and So I appreciate that, but he, he's, he could have some statistical regression, but it doesn't mean he's going to have a regression in his ability. And I have no problems getting him signed now because the price was just going to go up. And I'm not worried about regression. And we can talk about Jermaine Edmonds, and I might feel a little bit differently. But uh, with Josh Allen, that is where I stand right now. It is the second highest contract ever signed in the NFL. And of course, it's the first most guaranteed money in an NFL contract. And it's the largest Bills contract by $161 million. Uh, Marcel Darius got a 96 and a half million contract. And of course, he's a quarterback, but this just blew that right out of the water. Speaking of injured franchise quarterbacks, you guys remember Carson Wentz, right? He was really a legit MVP candidate that the Eagles traded up a ransom to get. Uh, and then he got hurt and became just a shell of himself. He was not very, he didn't have a great relationship. Uh, with Doug Peterson, you know, towards the end of his time there in in Philadelphia. I did not like some of the stuff I was hearing about how he was refusing to throw the ball where he was supposed to, and he didn't get his plays called. He was kind of doing what he wanted and, you know, seemed kind of confrontational, Uh, not loving all that stuff. Uh, The Colts and Frank Reich, by the way, who was there as a quarterback's coach or maybe offensive coordinator when they won that Super Bowl is very close to Carson Wentz. The Colts traded to get him. They're all in. They didn't give up a ransom like a lot of teams did or like the Eagles did initially, kind of similar to what the Carolina Panthers did when they traded for Sam Darnold. You know, they they still got a guy that has the potential to be that franchise guy, but they didn't pay the price that you'd usually pay. And I really like the gamble for the Panthers Maybe I didn't feel that way about the gamble for the Colts. I live in Indianapolis. A lot of people do have some hype here for Carson Wentz because, you know, you want to believe in your guy. But I'm I'm pessimistic on that. Now he's hurt. He could miss up to 12 weeks, which would put him. If he missed the entire 12 weeks, he would be coming back somewhere just before the midpoint of the season. You know, that's probably worst case scenario. But what do the Colts do now? You know, there's Bill's fans are like, oh, we'll trade up Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Mitch Trubisky has any value to the Colts because he's on a one-year deal. And they are committed to Wentz. When he comes back, they're not giving up on Wentz for Trubisky. That's not going to happen. They're committed to Wentz. So what kind of draft pick would they really realistically give up? Well, not enough for me to consider moving on from him. So I I like Trubisky where he's at. You know, let's let him play here for a year and move on and and we'll consider picking up somebody else. But um, a lot of Colts fans... Uh, like Jacob Beeson. I, I know that they liked him when he was picked. I wasn't thrilled and was in love with him, but I guess we're going to get a chance to see something from him because he hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL. And it seems like it's going to be the Jacob Beeson show right now for a little while. Oh, and by the way, probably the best garden league, Quentin Nelson knew they drafted a few years ago. He's out pretty much the same injury, the same timetable. I don't think either one of them are going to be out the full 12 weeks, but they're going to miss some time. And I I like the Colts' defense. How could he not? I mean, Darius Leonard, uh, DeForest Buckner, they, they got some really good defensive linemen over there as well. But I'm, I am I had been saying I think the Colts are probably one of the best five six four five six best teams in the AFC. Um, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think they're going to be chasing Tennessee all year. And Tennessee is a flawed roster too but they're really good offensively if they can keep that all together and make that work. I think the Colts are chasing for a wild card. And, and I know that a lot of people that listen to me, uh, I think I do have some Colts fans that listen to me and they're not going to like to hear that. But I think it's true. And I think if you look at it objectively, I, I, this is going to set them back. And uh, I mean, it's good news for the Bills. I don't like it to be good news uh, due to injury, but I, I if both Wentz, and Nelson missed significant time and they, you know, because you don't know what you have with Jacobies and I, I, they're starting off slow. They're going to start out behind. They do have a good rushing attack. They got, have a good defense. That's great. They might be able to win a few games. They have a very tough schedule coming out in the first place anyway, but that is going to open up the door for other teams. I always want to point to San Diego. I think they're poised to take a jump this year. Justin Herbert is a monster. It's possible that that wild card spot could go to someone like San Diego, possibly the Raiders. I'm not as worried about Tennessee. You know, they do have a good offense. And I think the Bills can just, we can light them up. If we are progressing as a team, that defense, the bills can just light them up. If we can just get a few key stops, is really all we need.
2: Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And they had a the lamentation of the women.
1: Let's just, you know, hold them to under 25 points and, you know, we can take care of the Tennessee Titans. I also want to talk about the AFC East this week because, well, this is a bills centered podcast generally. And I uh, want to get, get it back to the bills talk. I am gleefully watching the train wreck that is the New York Jets. I wanted to give the New York Jets some credit because we all kind of really wanted to believe they were moving in the right direction. Nobody really thought they would be a threat this year. I think most people are having them somewhere, anywhere between four and six wins. Not much more than that. I might've been generous and said five or six. That's what they feel like to me. Wasn't in love with Zach Wilson. And I can't tell you why it's, it's, it's a feeling It's the way he carries himself. He doesn't look like a guy that's going to command a lot of respect. He looks like he's 15 years old and he acts like he's 15 years old. And I'm just, I'm not seeing it now to further pile on the jets and Zach Wilson. He didn't want to sign his contract because they were still negotiating probably some bullshit little clause. That's never going to matter. He missed the first day of training camp dude, you're the number two overall pick. You got to be there. You got to start setting the example. You know what goes along with being the number two overall pick or the top five pick when you're a quarterback? You're basically the face of the franchise. You are expected to set the tone and you're expected to be the leader. You got to get everyone pulling in the same direction. And you couldn't even get to training camp on time because – you were worried probably, and I don't know what they were negotiating on this contract, but it's some bullshit detail. It's probably never really going to matter, right? You got your slotted money. You can't negotiate money. You can't negotiate bonus. Everything else is just peanuts and you couldn't get it done in time. You had how many months to get it done and you can't be the training camp on time. Then you show up the training camp and you're terrible. Oh, but he's a rookie. There's a learning curve. That is correct. I will definitely give him a pass there. But the Jets are banking big time on him. They they, they do not have really a a viable option to back up Zach Wilson. Zach's going to take all the snaps. Zach is going to take all the snaps. As bad as he is right now, he's going to get in there, and they're going to throw him to the Lions, and they're going to see what happens. So his training camp is not going well. And if you remember back to last year when Adam Gase was there, the Jets... He was being a little cagey. I can't remember who it was, but one of the reporters was asking him when they were going to do a scrimmage and Gase was just being a jerk and he was like, yeah, well, you'll just have to show up. And when they finally did show up, Gase was running the second team defense against the first string offense. I remember that would have been Sam Darnold in that team and they got beat badly. And then he did the same thing. He ran the second team offense or the the first team defense against the second team offense and the defense got beat. So both first string teams were just complete garbage. And it was an, it was an embarrassment, especially because of the way that Adam Gase treated the reporter. Now Adam Gase is gone. Sam darnold has gone. It's different regime. Robert Sala's in there. You know, we're going to try to move in the right direction. Basically, the Jets fans are. Same result, although it's against the first ring. So in the scrimmage that happened, I believe this was yesterday. I'm recording on a Sunday, so this would have been Saturday. Uh, 11 of 24 for 112 yards, two interceptions. Now, no touchdowns. He only got one field goal. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm here I'm not here to tell you Zach Wilson is never gonna be anything. I'm telling you his career's not starting off very well. And you know, practice like you play, practice like you play. So, um the other Jets QBs on the roster right now, at this point, not a very impressive list. They just signed this week, probably after seeing how They probably felt the need after they saw how he was practicing, but they got a veteran in in the form of Josh Johnson. You probably remember him, or at least have heard his name. He's been around for a long time. Um, Actually started uh, uh, some games way back in the beginning of his career with Tampa Bay, but been really kind of the end of roster practice squad type player, although he hasn't been in a practice squad a long time because he hasn't been eligible, but that type of player has been his career. Now he's hanging on and he's always getting calls and he usually ends up, you know, signing with the team for very short, spurts but that is their veteran presence right now that is who they have to help mentor number two overall pick um, not super great uh, they also have James Morgan who was a fourth rounder last year uh, so you know nothing you probably not even heard his name before and Mike White uh, that is it that is the Jets quarterback room that's what they're going into the season with right now I have a feeling that they will consider pinging in somebody else, but man, I, I just, I'm not even sure. I, I'm not even sure that I want to give the jets right now and I don't want to overreact, but I'm, I think I'm going to revise my jets prediction. I'm going to put them at three and 14. I don't think they're very good. I like their defensive line. That is going to be the strength of this team. And they do have a really good safety in the form of Marcus May, but they have a good defensive line. It gave us some fits last year. They did. They weren't good last year, but their defense was, was pretty solid. If you remember, they kept Josh Allen without a touchdown as well on to the next team. You know, I last year, I felt the dolphins would have been our biggest competitors in the AFC East Yeah, I was right about that. They nearly got a playoff spot, but man, they just laid down that last week of the year. And I don't have strong feelings about Tua. If you look at his stats, just looking at the stats, it looks like Tua had a fine rookie year. I don't think those stats are telling the whole story. I think he got a lot of his scores on short fields that the defense helped him out with. I think he came in maybe a little bit cocky. Um, And this was a guy who... Would have been the number one overall pick uh, if he come out just one year earlier, and he waited and he had the hip injury. Obviously, that's sort of an excuse and out you can give him if you're so inclined. I think sometimes that excuse is used a little bit too liberally, but he's well enough to play. He's well enough to play. Wasn't really pushing the ball downfield a lot. A Lot of checkdowns. Lots of checkdowns. And you can say that he put up 300 and some yards against us. We gave it to him. We're just like fine. We got the lead. Pass to the running backs all day long. We don't care. He didn't want to challenge down the field. His coach didn't believe in him. He got benched on and off last year. We all know the story about that, how Fitzpatrick came in as a firefighter to basically save him. Fitzpatrick's no longer there. You have Brissette. And Brissette's a fine backup quarterback. He's not Fitz. He's not going to come in and set the world on fire. He's probably their better starter, honestly, right now. I I think that's true. But all of the praise that Brian Flores gets for being a good coach, I think he did a terrible job last year. I think he mismanaged that team. Uh, I know some of my closest friends in this network believe that there was some sort of conspiracy theory to sell jerseys. Uh, I can't get there. I can't get there. Um, Remember, the Dolphins didn't start off very strong last year. I, I think it was just, you know, they finished strong because of fitzpatrick but i think they want to just get him a little bit of playing time because you know after they started the season they were like i want to say two and four two and five ish uh of course they finished much stronger but that was fitzpatrick starting too but two is not that guy his own coach didn't believe in him his teammates were calling him out lots of stuff kind of coming out of the, the locker room they didn't believe in him the dolphins ultimately chose to stick with him. Although you're hearing some rumors that they're trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. I would love that to happen because what if Deshaun Watson goes to prison or it gets, you know, on the exemplist and can't play, they would give up basically picks to try to get that guy in. And it'd be for nothing. Um, although if it worked out, I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan. I always have been. He's a great quarterback. Um, I, I, I just watch the games he plays against us. He's he's got some Josh like qualities. I still think at this point I might rather have Josh, but I'm not too mad at you if you want to say you'd rather take Deshaun Watson either. He is he's a number one franchise quarterback. But back to the Dolphins, um two is not the guy. And they do have a good defense. They did lose some parts. I think Kyle Fenoy is gone. Um Xavier Howard is reporting to camp, but he's being fussy about his contracts because he wants a new one. He wants to be the highest paid corner in the league. And, you know, he just signed his, his deal a couple years ago. And of course that is what happens. That is what happens. The price always goes up. The price always goes up and he's already complaining about a new one. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Of course, everybody knows if you listen to my podcast, I have been on the get me a, a stud QB two to upgrade the secondary for a long time and i don't want i have no interest in a guy like zaben howard in a trade or a free agent or at all he is a money first guy he's proving it right now the dolphins i think are probably still the biggest threat to the bills in the afc east but i don't think it's i think there's a big gap between the two teams and i don't think it's close um I'm, I'm going to revise my prediction. I, I, they're going to end up somewhere around eight or nine wins. Uh, they can beat on the Jets. They'll probably win one against the Patriots. Um, and there's some games out there that are winnable for them as well. But I, I don't see them as a serious threat uh, to the Bills. And I, I just can't get there. I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. Last but not least, in our trip around the AFC East, we have Bill Belichick and his New England Patriots. Uh, They're going to be in the middle of the pack in this division. They're not going to be as bad as the Jets, and I don't think they're going to be as good as the Dolphins. I understand he's Bill Belichick, and I understand he's the greatest to ever do it, but he's the greatest to ever do it because he had Brady. Now, is he a great defensive mind? Absolutely he is. They should have another good defense this year. But if you're looking at some of the passes that Cam Newton and those other quarterbacks are throwing at a training camp, it is not flattering. It's not flattering at all. You know, he wasn't great last year. And for some reason, Justice, if you're listening, there's another conspiracy here, I think. But they decided to bring Cam Newton back into the fold. And... You know, I think we've talked about this before. I've discussed it with somebody in the hot seat, but I don't think Bill Belichick realistically expects to win a championship again before he retires. Uh, Joe Marino actually alluded to it a long time ago that he thinks that he's just trying to ride it out for a little while, just win enough games where he can go out on top with the all-time wins record. I think it's very likely. In fact, I think that's hard for me to agree with that, But they did spend a first to disagree with that. I'm sorry. They did spend a first round pick on Mac Jones. Not a lot of people are higher on Mac Jones. I don't see Bill rolling with a rookie. And I don't think he's very good, even if they do. But is the best way forward for this team with Brian Hoyer? I think it is. Now, you lose. One dynamic of Cam is his rushing yards because he's big and he's hard to tackle. He's still got some quickness. He can do that for you, but he's terrible throwing the football. And it feels like Belichick wants to win games by having his quarterback pass for 150 yards and one touchdown and trying to get 60, 70, 80 yards out of Cam on the ground to supplement the rest of the running game. I just don't think that's a sustainable or winning formula for him in today's NFL. Like I just said earlier, the bills tried that game plan for years and we were always behind. So what do I think that the Patriots are ultimately going to end up this year? You know, I, I'm going to say the Patriots are going to end up being a round, a six win team and their defense is good enough to get some people fits. Are they good enough to beat the bills? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised if they beat the bills once I'm not surprised if they beat the chiefs, I'm not surprised if they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They do have that pedigree, that defensive pedigree. They can they can frustrate a team. Now, over the course of the year, I keep saying this. What's it going to all look like? What's it going to add up to? Six wins. That's where they're going to be at. Um, they'll probably beat up on the Jets a couple of times. They might get one from us. They might get one from Miami. And, you know, maybe they surprise a couple of games because I think they can do that. But ultimately, no. They are not a threat. I think the Bills might... Prediction for the Bills is getting much more optimistic. I never thought that the Bills would not win this division. I thought if all the wheels came off, now barring a Josh Allen injury, of course, but all the wheels come off and there's problems on this team. I still think this is easily a 10 win football team and the Bills take another AFC East title, which feels so good to say, especially so confidently. But, um, realistically, you know, I've been the guy kind of pulling back on another, you know, thirteen and four or fourteen and three type of season. I'm coming around to that. And it I'm probably buying into a lot of the training camp pipe. So I'm trying not to be too much of a homer, but I'm hearing so much about things that I care about. Um, it's hard for me to maybe be as objective as I'd like to be. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Bills are going to be 13-4 and team. They're going to have a couple of losses. They're going to drop an easy one or one that they should not have somewhere along the way because it just seems to happen, and it is the NFL. But uh, they're going to easily run away with the division. They will get to the playoffs, obviously. You know, I think they'll win at least a playoff game. I'm not surprised if they're in a the Super Bowl. I don't think that I would bet money on that right now.
2: You should me. I'm not shooting on you.
1: The last thing I want to talk about this week is Lions coach Dan Campbell. You may remember him as a former NFL tight end. He was in the league for a while. He actually played for the Lions. He is the new Rex Ryan, which makes him entertaining. Does that make him a great head coach? I don't think so. I'm trying to think of a comparison of a head coach that had that type of attitude, you know, the showmanship and, and the gusto and just the extreme machoism that has worked out. And I I can't think of one. You know, Bill Belichick is quiet, reserved, and maybe kind of stern. Uh, I think McDermott's an excellent motivator and leader, and he's all business. I mean, I can't... McVeigh, not that type of guy. Uh, Andy Reid, not that type of guy. Rex Ryan's the only guy that I can think of that is... Maybe Greg Williams, I guess, could. I uh, maybe I can see some parallels there, but I don't think that type of coach succeeds in the NFL. Doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean somebody like that never will. But man, just listening to some of the stuff that guy has said so far this year makes me really sad for Lions fans. And I rooted for the Lions a little bit. They're maybe one of my secondary teams growing up because well, they had Barry Sanders, and I kind of like their uniform uniforms. But um, they're they've had their quarterback. They've had Matt Stafford. I believe he got drafted in 2008. I don't know that I'm right about that, but that feels right. He's been with that team for a long time. He's been a great quarterback. He's had good pieces around him offensively. They've spent a lot of draft capital on wide receivers. You know, if you remember, I think they drafted number one wide receiver three years in a row. None of them worked out. Uh, the Charles Rogers and the Mike Williams type types. Um, then they got Megatron. And, you know, by and large, you know, Matthew Stafford's been trying to carry that team on their back for a very long time. They've had no running game. I I always say that's where running backs go to die. You go to Detroit and you just your career is pretty much over. Um, they've tried some different things on defense. They've brought in a competent Sue for a while. They just haven't really been able to form a defensive identity. And Now, they're not technically as bad as the Bills were during the drought, but I see a lot of parallels there between the two teams. And this seems like a hire that we would have tried to make under Russ Brandon. And I don't know. I don't know how much that's worth, you know, saying that you're going to have a live lion. You want a pet lion because you play for the lions. That's just silly, stupid talk and um, stuff like this.
3: All right. And so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and when you punch us back, we're gonna smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're gonna get up. And on the way up, we're gonna bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're gonna stand up. And then it's gonna take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're gonna take your other kneecap, and we're gonna get up. And then it's gonna take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're gonna take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're gonna be the last one standing. Or this. Well, to normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go to, you know Starbucks to get two venti of the pipe with two shots in them. So black eye in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day, so. I
1: don't know. I just think there's a little too much bravado there. And you know, for, for me it just it makes me not be able to take you as seriously because I don't think you're acting like a serious person and that's part of the problems. That Rex Ryan had now Rex Ryan wasn't a great coach. I don't even think he was very smart. Uh, I, I just think people liked him and he could have uh, fired some folks up during his career. Sure, you know I, I think he could bond with his teammates and maybe Dan is that same type of guy. But I can't take you seriously when you're gonna say this is this is you. This is the face of you know uh, I guess one of the faces of the franchise and you got him out there just acting like a fool. You know, you're not taking it just feels to me like you're not taking the job very seriously. And, you know, I'm glad Rex Ryan's gone. I'm feeling a little bit sorry for Lions fans. They've had a lot of suffering, just like Bill's fans did. And generally, I think the Lions fan base is mostly very respectful, at least in my opinion, in my interactions and experience with Lions fans. Uh, So I'm, I'm feeling feeling sorry for them. And I know that we were there for a long time. So um, I'm I'm definitely feeling some kinship with them right now. And uh, here's, here's hoping that we get that experiment over real quick. And by the way, that's an interesting topic that maybe we could talk about some other time. But, you know, if you're looking for a head coach, does pedigree matter? You know, because Bill Belichick's disciples haven't really necessarily worked out. Um, You know, you can think of some examples that have, but Maybe that's uh maybe that's a good podcast. Maybe Bruce has probably already done one on that, but uh, it seems like something interesting to talk about. Running a little bit long, I want to get to the hot seat. I have two special guests this week, over from the Air Raid Hour. One half of that show, they do a really good job. I, I'm a big fan. I, I like Judge Mathis a lot. I think is, is uh, his takes and his analysis are usually well thought out. You know, I think he can get a little uh on some folks sometimes but i'm a big fan i do like their show uh listen to him and tilt money it's 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 always entertaining you know there's there's always good content there so you can check them out as well as another member of the buffalo Phoenix team one of my personal favorites um bff jeremy he's on a hiatus right now from the buffalo bootleg uh but he he is still participating in writing he's witty and he's funny and uh i'm I'm very proud that he's been on my show. I can't remember if this is the third or the fourth time, but he is my fan favorite. So, without further ado, Bill's Mafia Hot Seat.
0: Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production.
3: When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us.
1: be ready it might be chilly i want to ask you a bunch of questions
2: and i want to have them answered immediately
1: ladies and gentlemen of bill's mafia joining me on the show for the second time very happy and honored to be joined by judge mathis one half of the air right hour judge what's going on tonight
4: Oh man, just living the dream. You know, I'm still out here on the West Coast, so it's still light out for me. Uh, just got back from work and ready to talk some Buffalo Bills football.
1: Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> I'm always up to talk Buffalo Bills football and and thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. But um before we get started, I want you to tell us about the Air8 hour cuz you guys are killing it over there. You guys are just so smooth and professional and uh, you and Tell are like you guys like are professionals as far as I'm concerned.
4: Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the Air Raid Hour—it's every Monday and Thursday night on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We go live at 9 p.m. And the thing I like to tell people is, it's—it's it's a show, you know, by the people for the people. So, you know, we'll have our one or two talking points or the one or two takes we want to get off our chest, but honestly, most of the show flows based off of what the people in the comment section want to talk about. So, topics they pitch to us, questions they ask us, uh, takes that they have. Um, you know, if, if you join us in the comment section of the air raid hour, you truly are a part of that conversation for the hour, hour and a half, uh, that we talk about Buffalo bills football every Monday, Thursday. And, uh, it's, it's just an awesome, fun time. And if you can't catch it live, you can always catch it on replay on YouTube and on the Buffalo fanatics podcasting network, uh, Tuesday and Friday mornings.
1: That's how I catch it. I always catch it on podcasts. I don't usually join live shows, <laughs> but, uh, but I do, I do catch up in podcast form, even on guys on my own network, but uh, just to, you know, give you another little feather in your (laughs) cap to, to people that don't realize what goes into a live show. uh, I've, I sometimes have to record my takes three or four times. Uh, and you don't get to do that on a live show. You are on the air, buddy,
4: and you're doing oh, it yeah. live.
1: So it's much difficult.
4: Half half the time I'll go in and and I'll know exactly like cuz we you know we'll cut like little 30 second promotional clips and stuff and I'll have like the take that I know I want to promo and I'm like ready for it and then I'll flub it and I'll have to sit there and rewatch an hour and a half to find something else to promo uh because I flubbed up the 30 seconds that I wanted to use as a promo. So <laughs> Um yeah sometimes it's great sometimes not so great but uh yeah it's a very free flowing show I'll tell you what like I used to me and Dave used to podcast and we used to have our notes and I would read a take and he would read a take and we would just go back and forth and and now it's 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 really like it's a nice challenge and it I think it's made me better as sort of uh you know just a Bills fan just the back and forth that we have and the interactions we have it's you you quick on your feet, having conversations, bouncing ideas off of each other. I tell the people all the time, like, I think out loud. So like half the time I'll say something stupid and then like 30 seconds later, correct myself. Be like, yeah, no, I was dead wrong. Let's erase the last 30 seconds. So <laughs> Redo. It's, it's it's a it's a real good. Sometimes it gets me in trouble when I think out loud. But uh, it's a nice uh, way to just go and, and brainstorm with uh, other Bills fans. Well,
1: what are you supposed to do? Just sit there silently <laughs> on camera? I mean, it's... All right. So I don't know if you remember from last time, but I have 10 questions in front of me. There is nobody this week that has gone ahead of you. So that means you have all 10 questions open. So which one would you like judge?
4: Last time I went number seven and I went number seven because of my, uh, because of JP Lossman. I just, I was like, you know what? Number seven, JP Lossman, let's do it. You correct me and said, I should have said it was because of Doug Flutie and, and I probably should have said it was because of Doug Flutie. So uh, since he's had a couple of good practices, I'm going to go with number 10 for Mitch Trubisky. Mitch
1: Trubisky, okay. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. And I am not saying that the Bills will not win the Super Bowl, but <laughs> should they not win the Super Bowl, what do you think the biggest reason that they're going to fall short will be?
4: Ooh, that is a great question. I think if the Buffalo Bills don't win the Super Bowl, the reason that they'll fall short is because of injuries. I really think that the Buffalo bills are the best team, in the national football league right now, like all the reports coming out of practice. And I know the pads aren't on. It's just that the offense is clicking. The offense is clicking. The offense is clicking. And it's just so crazy to me that you have a quarterback in Josh Allen. And then you have those three veteran receivers and like Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and, um, and, and Stefan Diggs, and an offensive line that, even if they struggle with run blocking, you know, can pass protect and they've proven they can pass protect. So if you're the Buffalo Bills and that offense continues to click and Josh A- Allen continues to grow and develop and do what he does, um, you know, there's really nothing to be worried about on the offensive side of the ball, barring an injury to, you know, right now we're 17. Seeing, yeah. yeah, 17 or even right now we're seeing we see we're seeing Deion Dawkins out. Spencer Brown's getting roasted like four times a game on those um, on the, with those speed rushers and stuff. So like, how does left tackle work if, if Dion's not there um, wide receiver, I'm not so much worried about, but people say like, there's a difference when Stefan Diggs isn't out there. So a guy like Stefan Diggs, but for the, for me, You know, the offense is Super Bowl caliber. Maybe it's not the best offense in the league, but it's certainly a Super Bowl caliber offense. And then you go on the defense and, you know, the pieces the Buffalo Bills have in the secondary Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, even Teron Johnson, the way he was playing the latter half of last year. That's a very, very good secondary, even if a guy like Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson is your CB2. And now, you know, we're hearing these reports out of camp about all these big bodies that we're putting up front. Boogie Basham, Gregory Rousseau, F.A. Obada, A.J. Epinesa, Tremaine Emmons is six foot five. All de Delayle is coming back. You're hearing these reports of all these guys, and we're expecting sort of a New York Giants style of defense, or even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense of last year, um, that was run by uh Todd Bowles, where it's just like the forest through the trees, there's just so many long bodies and even if they're not getting sacks they're wreaking havoc on the quarterback because the quarterback can never feel comfortable in the pocket whether it's because he's got those big long guys sticking their arms up or um, the running game is struggling because they got those big bodies along the defensive line that just can't be pushed around so when you look at the defense if that defensive line steps up like we expect them to and starts to create that havoc and starts to create that chaos and you know you have all those all pros back there in the secondary that's also a recipe for success. And that's a Super Bowl caliber defense. So if the Buffalo Bills don't make the Super Bowl this year, it's because there was just a barrage of injuries like you're seeing in Indianapolis right now that stopped this team from reaching its potential because there's absolutely no excuse for the Buffalo Bills not to win the Super Bowl this year. They have all of the pieces. They need to um they need to get like they need to get this done or at least get to the Super Bowl this season.
1: Okay. So I want to throw this back at you because yeah. By the way, I love it. <laughs> I don't know that I'm gonna go as far as you, but you're saying that if there's no injuries, the Bills are in the Super Bowl.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I believe that the Buffalo Bills are one of the three, four, five best teams in football, and the way they're clicking in training camp right now. I made this comment. I made this comment a, a couple of shows ago. Remember the end of the last regular season where this this offense was just absolutely clicking? And even the defense to a degree was clicking. And we were steamrolling teams like the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Patriots. Like We were just on an absolute heater towards the end of last regular season. Everything was clicking. It seems to me like the way that we've started off training camp tells me that we're capable of starting off this year's regular season like we ended last year's regular season. The Buffalo Bills didn't get off to the hottest start in the world last year. I know wins and losses they did, but it's not exactly like they were lighting the lamp on the scoreboard. There were some close games early in the season. There was some sloppy play. That's football season. Yeah, we'll
1: get that at any. I mean, so but, Tampa Bay, so would the mm, Chiefs that you're going to get that yeah. at any time.
4: But but I'm expecting this team the way they are clicking in training camp, all the reports that we're reading so far to come out of the gate hot and ready to go. And they have a, a nice, prime, early schedule. I know they opened up against Pittsburgh. That's a team that I, I expect them to absolutely crush week one because I think that Pittsburgh is a house of cards. I don't think that's what that team used to be. And if you look at the first four or five weeks of the schedule, I think this Buffalo Bills team can go on a real quick run and get out to an, a nice lead in the AFC East and possibly even the AFC in general.
1: Yeah, no, I. I... I... I agree with you. Like, I'm not saying the bills are bad. Mm-hmm. And when you say the bills are one of the best three, four five teams, I will agree with that. I'm not going to I don't know that I can say they're number one or number two. There's a few teams. I, if I was a betting man, I'd probably put their money on, but mm-hmm. if the bills were in the super bowl, I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, I never expected this.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, it's training camp and I tend to maybe be a little bit more measured sometimes because <laughs> Well, everybody always looks good. Every training yeah. camp, every year. always Everyone's always in shape. Everybody's looking good. And this guy's running with the ones. Like, you hear that every single year. And we fall in love with lots of players mm-hmm. over the years that don't even an, ever end up adding up to anything. So I, but, like, I'm not completely immune from that stuff either. Like, I want oh, yeah. to hear. Especially, uh, I was listening, Perino is over the moon with uh Gregory Rousseau right now, mm-hmm. and, and this chop block he had the other day. Hey, Darrell Williams is no slouch. He's a pretty mm-hmm. solid right tackle and <laughs> made him fall on his ass, you yeah. know. Uh, and Boogie Basham had that play back in OTAs, did it again. I think it was two days ago now. But, um, you know, Effie Obada, I guess, was the man today, and he was supposed mm-hmm. to be the best player on the defense. So y- y- just wave after wave of defensive people that are able to put pressure on the cornerback. Quarterback,
4: I'm I'm all about that, and I hope that it's not just getting my Mm -hmm. hopes up and and I'm I mean, I'm with you. I'm typically a pretty measured guy. Like the things that I'm saying right now, the confidence with which I'm speaking is not usually how I speak. I mean, I'm the guy last year who picked the Buffalo Bills to go nine and seven, but go nine and seven and win the AFC East and be the fourth seed in the AFC. And sure enough, the Buffalo Bills went out and won 13 games last year. I thought their schedule was tough. I thought Josh Allen was still developing. I didn't think he'd take the leap that he did. I I was trying to be measured in my approach last training camp. But then the Buffalo Bills went out and did what they did. I'm not saying the Buffalo Bills roster is better than, say, the Kansas City Chiefs or even the Tennessee Titans. But... I mean, Sean McDermott made it the Browns clear today. Yeah, even the Browns, but Sean McDermott made it clear today. The expectation is one thing. It's to get to the Super Bowl and the expectations will never not be to get to the Super Bowl. And the Buffalo Bills have the talent where it it, it it almost seems like it's now or never, right? Like you still got the quarterback on the rookie deal. You have a loaded wide receiver core. Colby's is getting older. Emmanuel Sanders is getting older. Who knows if. I'm not saying the Buffalo bills can ever replace those guys, because I think that a lot of the wide receiver, the youth at wide receiver on this team is, is really fun and exciting, but you literally have like three, you probably have three of the five best route running wide receivers in football on your football team right now, three route running tacticians working with Josh Allen. I think when you have that window and you have those four guys to funnel your offense through Sanders, Beasley Diggs, and Allen, I, they're just clicking right now and in practice they're just clicking last year Josh Allen would have a bad practice and every single one of us would get on our podcast or get on our show and freak out like oh my god what is it what's Josh Allen going to get today what's Josh Allen going to say what does it mean today that he threw with three interceptions in practice what does it mean today that he threw three touchdowns in practice like we were back and forth and every day it was Jekyll and Hyde with Josh Allen when we were trying yeah. to evaluate him this year on Saturday when the Bills had their their practice in Ralph Wilson Stadium Apparently he didn't have his best day. You know what people said? Oh, Josh Allen, not his best day. And then they moved on. There was no no one freaked out about it. There was no no one on any of these podcasts or video casts or live streams saying, like, oh my God, like, is he uh degressing? Is he regressing? Like all these different things that, that didn't happen because this the con- confidence level in our quarterback is is there. Um, because it seems like he's truly even if it's just one year of true production, it seems like this guy has truly evolved himself over one season into that guy, that franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be here. He's going to be here a long, long time. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 I would, I, I agree. He showed it to us once and now we kind of expect
1: it. So, I mean, a practice is a practice. You can have a bad yeah. practice and he can even ha- have a bad half and go out there and have the second half and light it up. Like I, I feel like I remember him doing that a couple of times last year. But to your point, last year I was right there with you. I thought the Bills would be a better team, mm-hmm. going like I, I thought they would be a better team, but I didn't know that it would necessarily show up in their record. Uh, and then along comes Josh and <laughs> blows mm-hmm. it all up. Um, yeah, but Super Bowl, absolutely. I, I'd say they're they've got to be one of the top five or six teams that you mm-hmm. Vegas would put money
4: on. And I don't know what the odds Damn. are, but and if I'm put- laying down my money to pick the winner, I don't mm-hmm. know that I would pick the Bills. And the thing is, like, once you get to the playoffs, anything happens. But the Buffalo Bills are playing 17 games, like in the Mm. regular season. And in the 17 games, um, just look at the starting quarterbacks for both teams and put Josh Allen up against the starting quarterback for the other team. I, I think everyone's in agreement that the Buffalo Bills have one of the deepest rosters in the National Football League. They have one of the top five, six, seven rosters in the National Football League, not counting the quarterback. And now, and now we even have the quarterback to go along with it. Like we mm-hmm. had those conversations years ago when um, it was, uh, what was it? Mike Penn, uh, yeah. Jim Schwartz's defense. Yeah. When they like, they were killing people and they're like, man, if this team just had a quarterback, because we had guys like Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and Chris Hogan and Marquise Goodwin. Like we had a whole bunch of talent and everyone's like, man, if this team just had a quarterback. Now we have a roster like that and we have a quarterback. So not only do we have a really good roster, you know, top to bottom offense, defense, special teams, you have the quarterback. And all 17 weeks, if you put Josh Allen up against the quarterback across from him, 14, 15 times out of the 17 times on our schedule this year, Josh Allen's the better quarterback to go along with one of those upper echelon rosters in football. So anything less than 13, 14, 15 wins is a disappointment barring an injury to number 17. And even if 17 gets injured, knock on wood, a guy like Mitch Trubisky can probably still get this team a wild card spot because that's how good the roster is. So, if Mitch Trubisky could quite possibly get this team to the playoffs and Josh Allen is the quarterback, 14, 15 wins in the regular season has to be the expectation. And then once you get to the playoffs, anything goes, as we saw last year, they weren't the prettiest games, but we beat the Colts. We beat the Ravens. And then we ran to the Steelers and we, or I'm sorry, we ran to the Chiefs. We couldn't beat them. And Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott spent the whole damn offseason trying to figure out what it is that went wrong. And they decided it was the defensive line. And what did they do? They went out and they addressed that defensive line. And it's looking like that's it's pretty fortuitous now, at least through one week of training camp. So hopefully if all of that comes together, that's why I'm saying the expectations right now to me have to be making it to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Only thing outside of injury is if that defensive line maybe doesn't respond in the regular season the way they have responded through the first couple of days of training camp.
1: I will agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm trying to, um, not buy in too much to what I hear right now.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I still, I mean, I have some questions about Gregory Rousseau. can he in, you know, a game situation, take on an offensive tackle and, and get the sack from the outside, which is what his job's going to be. He's not going to rush from the inside. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the reports are that he is looking the part and that's encouraging. That's what I'm not, I'm not hearing bad things about him. Um, is Boogie Basham just gonna be a souped up version of um Shaq Lawson? I, I mean, is even even if he is, is that like maybe even the worst thing? Like I
4: take it. I take yeah. it.
1: Um, but you know, he's making plays and he's hungry f- to prove himself. He's gotta be out at Epineza mm-hmm. for a spot. Now they're gonna rotate, he's gonna get some snaps, but how much realistically is he gonna get as a rookie? Well, Boogie Basham, I think, is gonna probably get the most snaps from our rookies this year.
4: Mm-hmm. But. yeah, I think he'll be the the length and strength left end uh, on most plays. And you'll see, I think you'll see Addison Hughes and Epinesa on the right side. And then I think you'll see some combination of Obata, Rousseau, Basham, and even sprinkled in on passing downs Addison on the left side. I think that's, that's the consensus I'm getting at least through the first couple of days of training camp. I think we know who the bendy right side guys are. And then we know who sort of the length and strength left side guys are. And the Buffalo Bills pretty much made that clear. Like when, when Shaq Lawson was in his contract year, that's when the Buffalo Bills were were at their best on defense. Shaq Lawson was that length and strength, can set the edge, get you six, seven sacks type of left end. And you had your bendy guy over on the right side in Jerry Hughes. Now the Buffalo Bills are hoping they have that. And instead, they usually have even more guys who are capable of doing those things, and they can wave them in and out. So it should be pretty interesting to see how all that unfolds once the regular season starts because a lot of bodies, but not a lot of snaps. You're, you are hundred percent correct there.
1: Yeah. And Shaq Lawson sealing off that side against the run was, (laughs) I think we missed that. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. So if we can get that kind of stuff from boogie, that'd be great.
4: Mm -hmm. All right, judge, you got anything for me? Oh man. No, I wish I did, but my brain is, is pretty fried here at the end of the day. So I got nothing for you.
1: (laughs) No, mine too, man. Mine too. It's, it, it's 9.30 almost here on the East Coast anyway in, in Indianapolis. But um, thank you so much. I do enjoy your work. The Air 8 right Hour is, is a great show. Um, it, and like I said, these guys do it live because they're maniacs. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, lots of good content over there on the Buffalo Fanatics channel as well. And, Judge, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to spend with me and talk about nonsense tonight.
4: Hey, man, I appreciate it. Anytime you need me, I am here. I love to talk Buffalo Bills.
1: Enjoy the rest of your night, sir.
4: All right, have a good one.
1: All right, Bills Mafia, last but certainly not least. Returning to the show... I don't know if it's his third or fourth time. He'll probably have to let me know. But friend of the show, BFF, Jeremy, over from the Fanatics Network. Jeremy, what's going on with you right now?
2: Uh, thanks for having me on. I want to say it's the third time on, um, third or fourth, but always fun. So thank you. I uh, was uh, co-hosting the Buffalo Bootleg Podcast with my my buddy Max. Um, but it, we are uh, in a bit of a transition phase uh max has decided to basically take a leave of absence from you know his buffalo fanatic stuff he's uh, a senior in college he's doing a lot of stuff with sports i don't know if anybody knows but he's like majoring and and sports something i want to say sports broadcasting or something i could be wrong but uh he's got like an internship lined up um he's uh part of an ultimate frisbee league uh not not just a really cool frisbee league an ultimate one um he does stuff for like his college basketball team. And again, just on top of being a senior in college. So it was just getting a little busy. So uh, you know, that's probably gonna be a lot more um a bigger part of his career. So of course he had to uh you know focus more on that. So he's taking a break. Um and like I said, I'm kind of in a transition thing. I am uh, you know, if, if a right co-host or replacement comes along, then you know i, I open a jumping back into it but i think for now once the season starts i might just focus on uh just doing some articles you know still funny like satirical absurd ones um so yeah that's the plan
1: well the only thing i heard was that max has a trouble with his priorities and he's obviously <laughs> being really selfish so
2: um but i we do the the buffalo fanatics writers room vidcast every now and then i've jumped on that twice uh it's usually sundays i don't know if that's going to change with the summer so if i'm ever available to do that i will be on that talking with the other writers um so that's something like i, I will definitely try and be a part of so yeah if uh for the, the two of you who enjoy hearing me talk about things that's uh that's what you have possibly look forward to <laughs>
1: okay all right so you're an old veteran so you know the drill uh, mm-hmm. you, every number you like except for number ten. Except ten.
2: All right, so one through nine. Yes. Is zero an option?
1: Uh, that's not a number, sir.
2: Okay, I was just curious if you went that low. Um, all right, so between one through nine, I'm gonna go with number five because Matt Barkley announced today that uh he is signing with the Titans, and um you know we'll miss him. Probably been missing him, but yeah. So I'm gonna go with five in in honor of Matt Barkley.
1: I like this question because I think there are people that are dug in on both sides of it, especially in Bill's mafia very hard because there was a debate, I don't know, probably back a month ago, but Jeremy, in your opinion, is Lamar Jackson, a franchise quarterback?
2: Yeah, I would absolutely say so. Um, I mean, everybody kind of talks about, um, you know, he, he, Is definitely like him and greg roman like he he fits in greg roman's system um his his year after being an mvp obviously wasn't as great but i mean he had what like 41 passing touchdowns i think and probably another like handful or so rushing so he still produced uh you know 46 47 touchdowns whatever that was um and if he gets those like because of his system, then fine. Like everybody kind of hits on him as a passer and yeah, he doesn't have a strong arm like Josh Allen. Uh, He doesn't have, um, yeah, he's not (laughs) the greatest thrower, but you know what? Um, He's still talented. I think he's still somebody that you have to account for and, uh, you know, be worried about on game day. So if the Ravens definitely think that his skills are something that they can or his strengths or something that he can play that they can play to for the foreseeable future, then absolutely.
1: I, I agree with you. Um, and I think you maybe summed it up pretty well, but it, to me, it comes down I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. And I guess it depends on how you define franchise quarterback. Um, I might put him somewhere around 12. I guess mm-hmm. I'd rather have him than maybe Baker, mm-hmm. but you know, for me having Tyrod Taylor and, all the bills quarterbacks we had through the drought. Like I just wanted a pure pocket passer. And when the, like with Tyrod, if it was the fourth quarter and the score was, you know, more than seven points down, it was over. Forget it. He's just not going to win that game for you because he Mm -hmm. can't throw the ball. And Lamar can hit the open guy. He can hit his tight ends. Well, Um, he can put some pressure on you for sure, because he could also take one deep on you. But I think that if, you know, for, I guess for my flavor, he's not, for me, he's not the kind of quarterback I want, but is he the kind of quarterback that you said Greg Roman system you can maybe build around? Sure. Yeah. I I'd, I'd say he's a franchise quarterback, but not my taste.
2: Yeah. I'd be, a, I'd be very interested in talking to a, um, you know, like a pragmatic uh, like Ravens fan who maybe doesn't care too much for Lamar Jackson, but they all seem to love him. Um, and like I said, he, they play to his strengths. They win. They've, Done pretty well. He, obviously like Lamar Jackson hasn't done great in the pre in the postseason. He just won like his first postseason game uh this past season. So he's kind of got that going against them. Um, it's kind of funny because I feel like after that they won he won that game against the Titans, they were like, Oh, you know, he got like that monkey off his back. And it's like, okay, yeah, but I think you still expect him to like continue to win. Um, but yeah, so back, like I said, if they play to his strengths, great. I'd be curious, like I said, if there's any, like, diehard Ravens fans who don't really care for him or would maybe like to see somebody else. But, um, yeah, just going back to what I said. And you said, you know, if you're down in the fourth, like, by seven, there's definitely not going to win. Uh, Lamar kind of has that against him, too. I think he's won, like, one game after, um, you know, being down at halftime. Like, he was completely defeated. So that's something – uh that kind of worries you. Like you said, if you kind of see those stats, then it doesn't really give you a whole lot of hope. Whereas Josh Allen is kind of like the opposite, but um, you know, the Lamar versus Josh thing. That was like another like uh off season topic that came up that everybody was arguing about. And I honestly saw it and I was like, I don't care. You guys, you guys can do this. I'm going to go over here and uh, you know, drink my coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, to me, that's what I want out of the quarterback. I wanted to be able to pass the ball. He's fine, but I feel like if he ever lost his step and maybe wasn't quite as explosive athletically, he's a low end starter and he's probably doesn't have as much value and it's not going to win you many games that way. Mm -hmm. If you're just going to make him a passer, you know, like RG three without his, uh, you know, scrambling ability He's just not the same effectiveness, and he's he's barely a starter. I think I could be wrong.
2: Yeah. If the uh, if the Ravens, you know, for some reason got rid of or lost Greg Roman, um, I would be very interested to see who they brought in and how Lamar was like under a different system for sure. That'd be something that I would definitely be uh, keeping my eye on for that season. So Sure.
1: Now he had, he had a great year when he won that MVP. He said all the touchdowns piled up, you know, mm-hmm. 30, whatever, and then probably eight rushing touchdowns or something. I don't remember. But passing yards, yeah, he doesn't move the ball that way, you know?
2: Yeah. And,
1: you know, people kind of talk
2: about passing yards when it comes to st- uh, statistics. And I kind of mentioned this on Twitter, and I think somebody, like, kind of razzed me for it because I don't think I explained it very well. But I said, like, I, I really don't care about passing yards without context, you know? Um I mean, you look at a uh, Jameis Winston, the last full season he played, he had like 5,000 passing yards. He had a good amount of uh, touchdown passes and he was like an oppressor saying like, look at my numbers, like I'm balling. And I always looked at it and say, yeah, you have 5,000 passing yards because you're throwing like two interceptions a game, <laughs> which is probably setting you back a little bit and you have to go and, you know, throw the ball a lot to, to catch up. Um, so when I go to Mar, you know, I say, yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of passing yards and, like you said that kind of shows that passing is not his thing uh i think he's had like a thousand rushing yards every year but i mean hey if the touchdowns are coming then then hey touchdowns are touchdowns you know six points is six points Uh, i always feel like josh allen is not gonna have as many passing touchdowns as he does because he's gonna run it in sometimes and i just feel like he has that mentality He's like nobody's open like nobody's open he's like I'll run it in. He I think in his mind he's like, a touchdown's a touchdown. If it's a rushing or passing, I don't care. So yeah, as far as some of the statistics go, like looking at him like that, like that's how I feel about him. How about you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, you can say rushing yards matter, and they do, especially if you're playing fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, there for from a quarterback, it should be a supplement to your game. Like Josh Mm -hmm. Allen, his rookie year, like he relied on it. That was a crutch for him because he was still learning, didn't have a cast, whatever excuse you want to use.
2: Yeah, a terrible O-line. So he was running anyways.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but as he's like this past year, he did less of that because he was better as a passer. So it's it's not a bad thing when your quarterback is that athletic and has that ability, but it shouldn't be, in my opinion, your first weapon. You know, Mm -hmm. it should be a supplement to your game and not the main uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pre, uh, premium priority. priority? I don't know. The, uh, uh, the primary part of primary. Thank you. That was what I was searching for. Uh, shouldn't be your primary skill.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the obvious thing, like passing the ball is way more efficient. I mean, the, uh, if you look at a quarterbacks, um, average yards per pass, whatever, they're going to be higher than what, like the best, like running backs, like average, like yard per carry. So yeah, like we know Josh can run, but most of the time it's coming off of like, Scrambling and like extending a play, which is much better than you know. if When you every time we see like a designed run that doesn't go well, you're just like, oh my god, like you don't want to see him. You want to see him use his arm because he's just it's just a much better chance of just again more yardage, and it's mm-hmm. just funner to watch too. I think.
1: Yeah, and I I don't want this conversation to come out like I'm a, a Lamar hater because I'm not. He's just yeah. not my flavor of. He is so fun to watch, mm-hmm. uh, and it reminds me of Michael Vick. I don't yeah. think there's a big difference between the two. They're both subpar passers and they both are just supremely gifted athletically, except maybe Vic had a stronger arm.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, when the, uh, when we were in the off season approaching like that draft, I was looking, I was watching like all the quarterbacks, like highlights. I was looking at uh, Bakers, Darnold, Josh Allen, um, you know, Rosen and Lamar Jackson. And at the time, you know, we were sitting at 12 and there's a lot of like quarterback needy teams. And, you know, there's some like question marks, like, uh, you know, they're like the Broncos, like we didn't know if the Broncos were going to take one, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So part of me was like, man, like <sighs> Lamar Jackson, definitely, you know, I think most people had him ranked like fifth out of those five. Um, And so I was watching all these guys and I watched Lamar Jackson's highlights. And I was like, man, this dude is like really entertaining to watch, like super fun. And, I liked him because I was like, we might draft him. Like he might be our next quarterback. And just like you said, he was very fun to watch. Um, But obviously we, we went up and got Josh Allen. And I was fine with that. And uh forgot what I was going to say, but I was a little envious of Lamar. Like I said, I wasn't a hater. I was ready to draft him, but I was envious of him because him and Josh kind of both came in with like the accuracy knock, you know, like Lamar Jackson kind of said, um, that you know he was having troubles with a- accuracy Josh Allen had troubles with accuracy and it just seemed like when Lamar Jackson took over for the Ravens like he just had like people just were only saying positive things about him and so like I was kind of envious I was kind of jealous like because it just seemed like he was getting all like a dispraise but you look and it like he was barely throwing for like 200 yards per game and stuff like that so yeah, I got a little like jealous of him a little bit, but no, I'm actually I'm I'm not a hater of him at all. Um I'm trying to think of a reason if I ever did, but no, I don't I don't really care. I don't dislike him at all. If Raven fans love him, good for them. Like let's just both be happy with who we have, you know.
1: Yeah. I I didn't want him when we were going into that draft because I felt like yeah, he's too similar to Tyrod. Like that's not what I want. I want a passer. But I didn't want Josh either so there's that. Did you um, who
2: did you want? I'm just curious
1: uh my my number one guy was donald
2: okay yeah i remember watching donald and like i said this was like a few years ago i wasn't like super great at um yeah i, w- I wasn't I was very smart but uh i know like donald i kind of had like a turnover like I'm gonna, issues i'm gonna
1: take that and use that in a promo
2: <laughs> what's that
1: i'm not very smart
2: <laughs> yeah it's like I wasn't as smart. This I was, I was much more. I I would just read articles, and you know they would say, uh, oh, the Bills are hoping to fix any accuracy issues." Like, okay, then we're gonna fix them. Like that's all I knew. But um, but Darnold, I liked him. I thought like, you know, I would look through his highlights, and like I said, he had to turn over things. But um, like I thought he made some like really good throws. Like he he went for like really tight window throws and stuff. Um, I, I watched. Baker Mayfield, I really didn't care for like I watch his highlights, and I just I was like, this is a bunch of passes to wide open like receivers, you know, and obviously highlights aren't isn't film, it's not watching film, but I'm just saying like when I do watch them, I I look for more than just throwing to wide open people, you know, you look at you know how are they like uh, in the pocket, like can they navigate it well, like how how well do they do under pressure, and like how covered is the receiver he's throwing to, so I look at those kind of things, so. I really didn't care for too much of his highlights and um, I don't remember much about Josh Rosen to be honest. I don't remember watching him that much, but so yeah, that was a flashback for you.
1: Yeah. I uh, Rosen's comeback game. I I actually was watching that comeback game and it, it's still impressive. That's a big comeback. So I don't want to completely like discount what happened, but It wasn't as impressive as it was happening as, you know, if you saw the highlight or something the day after, you know, he got a lot of help. There was some questionable passes that were thrown and I still wanted Rosen over Josh Allen, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I wasn't in love with Rosen. He was like, he was like, Oh, they're all else. That's the guy that I want now. And they picked the wrong Josh. They picked the right Josh. But at the time I didn't believe that.
2: Yeah. It would have been interesting because I mean, he went to Arizona who had a terrible like offensive line, and then like, if we would have drafted him, he would have been behind a terrible offensive line. Yeah, And uh, so I made mean, a, who knows like how it would have looked, but he definitely would have been over, you know, in front of like an improved one the following year. Whereas, uh, you know, he kind of went to Miami and I can't remember how good there was, but I mean, he couldn't win the job there, but. Uh, oh, poor Josh Rosen. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know where he's at right now. He was on Tampa Bay's practice squad last year.
2: Yeah, maybe he's on San Francisco now, I wanna say that
1: sounds like something. Maybe that sounds not. that sounds correct. I'm gonna go with that.
2: Okay. I'll try and look really quick if you want. <laughs> I'm curious now. <laughs> but uh anyways, so anything All else? All right.
1: No man, I think we covered it pretty well. Do you have anything else for me?
2: Um really quick. What's uh what is like one highlight from training camp that is like sticking out to you so far like this week over the past few days
1: that i've not seen because i've not seen anything but what i read about or
2: just heard about yeah um that's what i meant not a highlight just uh something that's sticking out that you've read or heard about in training camp
1: so the one thing i was curious to get into in this training camp was gregory rousseau didn't play last year Mm-hmm. and in 2019 he got about half of his sacks from the interior by you know doing stunts and twist plays and i wanted I, I was a little bit concerned but i couldn't wait for a preseason game because i wanted to see him go up against a tackle and matt perino is over the moon about a chop move that he had on daryl williams that basically put him on his face um so and sal is saying he's looking the part as well so that's encouraging to me i know it's training camp right so what did you say a few weeks ago in your podcast everybody always looks good training camp you know that's right. what we all and i'm i'm like i i agree with that 100 because they don't want to say anything negative against their, against their teammates so, so they're always like a little bit more pulled back but yeah. uh I'm, I'm i'm hearing that and i'm maybe buying into that a little bit and the boogie basham tipped interception yeah i think he had one in otas back in may so he's getting uh, the right kind of attention i don't want it. he's get, nobody's getting attention for things that they're not doing this is really what i'm hearing and that's making me happy
2: yeah i agree there's been a lot of positive things coming from uh the defensive line and um and i agree i mean first off he's our first round pick he's a defensive end and like that's you, you want to hear really good things about those guys and then uh bashing the same thing they've had nothing but good things to say about him and he was a second rounder but you know, a lot of people had him graded as a first rounder, so that's cool. Um, for me, I gotta say I'm a little uh caught off guard, a little surprised by the, the Jake Kumaro um just just everything. He sounds like he's been like like great so far.
1: Isn't it weird how everybody's buying into that. I mean, Sal and, and Ryan Talbot and guys that I love and respect. And they're way smarter than me, by the way. So I always have to check myself when I disagree with people smarter than me, but I, I've not seen the catches. I'm not Mm -hmm. there. So I have to, you know, kind of defer to them a little bit, but man, have we not seen this movie before where there's a training (laughs) camp hero? It's like every single year. And so now we're, I'm not into believing that a 29 year old wide receiver, that's a practice squad guy is suddenly going to be, a training camp darling.
2: Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm I'm so happy that there is like preseason games. And I'm sure the coaches are too, because they don't have to do their roster based off of just practice. Um, so, you know, Kumaro can look great in practice all he wants. Like all these guys can look great in practice, but now there's preseason games where it's like, okay, now go do it out there and like, you know, show us that you can actually do it. Otherwise it's like, well, that was just practice, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, Duke Williams. Um, uh, I, I can't remember that Brandon, um, who's the key, uh, uh, Riley,
2: Brandon, Brandon Powell, the one we have right now.
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm trying to think of a guy that's, you know, tra- past oh, here. Yeah. Brandon gets, Riley. Uh, yeah. There's just, there's, I mean, there's Marcus, uh, what was the running backs name?
2: Uh, Marcus Murphy,
1: Marcus Murphy was another yeah. one. So there's always a guy, guy like that. I I'd like to have him now, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I don't know. They're smarter than me. They're at the practices. They're seeing it. I'm not. And I have to defer to them, but I yeah. just have a feeling like, is this not a training camp hero situation?
2: Yeah. Because uh, like for me, it was like, he was on the roster. He was on the 53. Um, we, he, we brought him in. I know we had snaps. He had one target, a touch uh, reception and a touchdown. And then what happens? We, we got rid of him. It's like, thanks. Okay. We're releasing you now. So uh, it's, just, it's just kind of interesting that now he's back and, and I think he's like, I want to say he's like 28, 29, you know, he's been in the league a few years. And for me, I'm just like, I mean, what are the, the chances that he really just like turn it on now? You know, I feel like it's a little rare,
1: but can, so I'm going to, I'm going to bounce this i You had another hot seat question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. Given what's happening out there in Green Bay, do you think has it crossed your mind? Do you think there's any possibility that they're just trying to pump them up a little bit so they can flip him back for a six? Like that's in my mind. I'm not discounting that.
2: Um, I didn't think about that Um because, well, first off, I don't think Green Day would do or Green Bay would do that because I don't think they uh, they've ever really cared about giving Aaron Rodgers what he wants or weapons. Well, they just got
1: traded for uh, Randall Cobb back.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, and
1: I don't think you're going to get anything of value. Like it's going to be okay, we'll give you next year's 6th or something like that. But I I feel like that's what they are trying to uh entice them into doing.
2: Yeah, but I mean it would just look I mean Aaron Rodgers already's already come out and, you know, kind of said I was like or came, I don't know if he came out and said it, but the story did come out that he was really upset about them getting rid of Kumaro because he was, they were having like a connection. They said, Oh cool. Well, he's gone now um, for them to turn around and then make a trade to bring him back. I just think about like somebody mentioned, and it's one of the podcasters out there, but there's you know, the NFL is full of egos. And so I think would a, a GM be willing to like backtrack like that and give up draft capital, even if it was just like a six, uh, for a wide receiver that they released after their quarterback said that, you know, he was mad. They did it. Um, so that, that's what I would, I think like, would they, would they backtrack and do that? So um, I'll be honest. I would, if, if he doesn't make it, cause I mean, I feel like this competition is Isaiah Hodgins and I really want to see that guy play. I'd be bummed if, if he didn't make the 53 um, or just, you know, didn't deserve a spot, but yeah, we'll see.
1: Okay, that's a hard no.
2: <laughs> hard no for what? Oh, get trading or?
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. You don't believe that's that's what they're doing.
2: I, I guess not. No, sorry.
1: <laughs> all
2: right. Because I mean, they're talking about how he's uh, you know, beating a couple like one on ones against Trey White. I was like, if that was the plan, if they said, all right, let's try. <laughs> if I was to say, let's try to pump up Jake Coomer a little bit and see if we can, you know, maybe get some trade for him, and then I go and it's like. No, Jake Kumro is winning one on ones against Trey White. I'd be like, okay, too much. Pump the brakes a little bit. Um,
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they're going as far as like, all right, Trey, here's what you need to do. You need to let him beat you, okay? Now just do it. It'll be fine. You know.
2: No, I'm just saying if like the person who let that slip was just being like like overdoing it or something. Like if they said, hey, put in your article that uh you know Kumoro is looking really good, and they went around and said, oh he's beating Trey White one on ones. They're like, no, that's not very believable. You're overdoing it. <laughs> Pump the brakes a little bit. (laughs) Say he made a nice diving catch or something or (laughs) something like that.
1: Okay. BFF Jeremy over from Fanatics Network. Give me a, well, a lot of his time actually tonight. Um, Yeah. Sorry. No, man. It's always a pleasure. I, I, like I said before, I I was a fan of the podcast. I'm I'm always thrilled that you want to spend some time with me and I feel blessed. So thank you very much.
2: If you want, I'll just record myself talking once a week and just send it straight to you.
1: Is that a podcast?
2: <laughs> yeah, I won't release it, though. I'm, I'm just going to send it straight to you. and uh, <laughs> just, It's like, hey, Vince, here's your weekly recording.
1: You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh darn it. People like you. <laughs>
2: sure.
1: All, all right. Thanks Thanks so much, Jeremy. Enjoy the rest of your night.
2: Thanks so much. You too.
1: Bills Mafia. That's it. That is all I have for you this week. You have somehow made it through another episode of Buffalo in the brain. So pat yourself on the back. That is an accomplishment. I will talk to you all next week, but before you go, please do me a few favors. One, if you're listening on iTunes or Google play or Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, please like subscribe, subscribe, And I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review. Unless you're going to leave a terrible review, then fuck off. But I would appreciate a nice review. It's going to help the rest of the Built in Buffalo network out. And you're supporting me. Uh, It will help support this network. Next, please be kind to everybody around you. Wear a mask and squeeze somebody close to you. Go Bills.
0: Todd, would you like some mixed vegetables? Hell no. (gasps) What did you say?
3: I said I don't want any damn vegetables. All right, that's it, young man. No Bible stories for you tonight.
0: (laughs) If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry-ass.
2: Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too! Yeah,
4: but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens.
3: What? It
4: ends. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's all, folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.